0: Well, lots of uh, really uh, great ministries that uh, we support here at Wallula Christian Church and Cooks and Hills is one of those making a difference in the lives of families and kids, uh, maybe struggling in relationships in those families or just uh, going through a difficult time. Uh, Cooks and Hills uh, provides a, a, a great, uh, is a great resource for those uh, struggling families and, and children. And so uh, glad to be a part of a, of a great organization like that. Uh, Last week we talked just a little bit about New Year's resolutions and, you know, New Year's resolutions uh, often center around uh, you know common things like the diet that we all all have and and uh you know maybe eating a little healthier and and sometimes those choices are really easy to make right and sometimes they're they 're a little more difficult to make and one of the difficulties is is that the experts are always sort of changing their mind on what 's really healthy and what 's not healthy and uh, there, there's some there's some changes that have have happened over the last several years with some uh maybe a food choices you make in your diet. Uh, for instance, you know, the good old fashioned steak, right? This red meat. Uh, uh, it used to be uh, it sort of the out with the old with red meat is that it's fatty and it's been linked to health problems. And the in with the new is if you eat the right amount of it and the right type, red meat can help keep your weight loss goals on track, decrease inflammation, and boost your energy, all right? So sort of a a change in direction there of what used to be good or used to be bad is now good and and it happens with other stuff for instance uh, maybe some of you woke up this morning to some uh, delicious eggs for breakfast right kind of out with the old with eggs said that they were high in cholesterol which means eating them would raise your cholesterol levels putting you at risk for heart disease Uh, New research, the in with the new with the eggs, has found that uh, cholesterol levels in our bodies are impacted by the types of fats in our food, not as much as the dietary cholesterol content. So, uh, used to be bad, now they're good, go ahead and eat your uh, scrambled eggs, and and to have a little bit with those eggs this morning, maybe you had a little bacon, right? Everybody loves bacon, who doesn't love bacon? Uh, Don't raise your hand, we'll judge you, we wouldn't, but... I mean, you know, come on, it's bacon. Uh, Some people said bacon is full of bad saturated fats plus, uh, you know, it's processed which can contribute to cancer and those kinds of things. Uh, In with the new, the right kind of bacon that has been prepared properly can be a part of a healthy diet. And finally, to round out that breakfast, you had a steaming hot cup of coffee. Uh, out with the old with coffee, it makes you super jittery, that can't be good. In with the new, coffee is actually one of the top uh, sources, one of the top contributors to a healthy, a heart-healthy uh, U.S. diet. And so uh, coffee is, you know, kind of used to be bad, and now it's good, and we ought to be in the habit of drinking coffee. I will say that with, uh, yeah, you like the coffee, uh, that's, that's good, I'm proud of you. Uh, I I did find it interesting that one of the claims that this article I read about all these things that used to be bad and now they're good, these diets, they said coffee is is this great uh, source that it's healthy and you ought to drink this, and that 15% of people who drink three to five cups of coffee a day, all right, three to five cups of coffee. Are you on that, Sammy? You're on that diet plan? Not so much? All right. Three... Oh, more than that. You're super healthy. Yeah. World's healthiest man, right over here, everybody. Uh, Three to five cups of coffee a day are 15% less likely to die from any, this was the claim made in the article, from any outcome. I found that amazing. Are you following? I mean... Anyway, I don't think it's that good for you, is what I'm saying. But evidently a little bit more healthy. And, and the deal is, right, what, what do we know about all this stuff, right? What do we really know? Well, maybe, maybe the steak you had for dinner last night, not so bad for you. But if you only eat steak, maybe not so great for you, right? There, there's some kind of balance here in, in all of this stuff that we have to discover and we have to figure out. And we need maybe all of that to be really healthy, and that could be true. There's some good... And there's some bad in all of those things. Probably in everything that we put in our body, there's some good and there's some bad. and We have to figure out which outweighs what when we make those choices. You know, it's not so different from some of the stories I hear about church. You know, and maybe some of the, uh, your own experiences that you've had with church. Man, I, I've, I've grown up in the church, I've served the church my entire life, I've really devoted my life, to serving the church in the best I can. Sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's not so good, and all of that. But that's what I've, I've been about in my life, and I love the local church. For whatever reason, it's God's plan to share his story. Uh, we ought to be excited about the local church. But sometimes people have done stuff, and you can fill in the blank, in the name of the local church that doesn't reflect well on Jesus. You know, that's true, mostly because the church is filled up with people, right? And we all do stuff that reflects well on Jesus, and we all do stuff that reflects poorly on Jesus. But sometimes the church has failed. It's done stuff in the, we've done stuff in the name of the church that's reflect, reflected poorly on Jesus. But man, there's so much good in the local church as well. You know, there's so much good. It's, a, it's the avenue where we can share and we can hear. You know, we talk about here at Wallula Christian Church that the church is the hope of the world. And what we mean by that is, is that for whatever reason, God has said, hey, the church is gonna, is gonna be my resource in the world for people to hear about my son Jesus. And because we hold that truth, because we carry that banner, the church is the hope of the world. You know, there's no, we, we have to have th- that resource to, to have a relationship with other believers. We need that resource to have a relationship that's growing and fruitful with our Savior. It's the hope of the world. There's so much good about the church. We can love the church no matter what. And I think that the, the book of, of Third John, this letter that John writes, teaches us three steps to loving the church uh, so when it's great and we're having a awesome experience and even when maybe we're not so much. If you have your Bibles, I'd love you to open them up to the book of Third John. It's at the end of your book, uh, at the end of the Bible. And so if you turn to the back and just go uh, left a little ways, you'll find Third John. If you're using the version app, you can... Uh, You can probably find the scripture reference and uh, the outline that's also in your bulletin uh, under the events tab in that YouVersion app if you're utilizing that this morning. Uh, Three steps to uh, loving the church no matter what in the the letter that we call 3 John. Uh, This is what God's word says. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth... Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people, so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I came, I will call attention. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Kind of an interesting letter, huh? And I think it teaches us three steps to loving the church no matter what. The first step is to practice hospitality for the sake of Jesus practice hospitality for the sake of Jesus. We're going to work with the first 8 verses as we consider the f- this first step. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend. This letter begins uh and it reminds me of a of a handwritten note. Have you have you received a handwritten note lately in the mail or or you know maybe uh, y- y- Maybe mom puts them in your lunchbox, right, when you were a kid or whatever, and you you remember receiving that handwritten note, and if you've received one of those in the mail, they they sort of stand out now, don't they? You know, it's not an email, it's not a form letter, it's not a bill, it's not something else, it's this handwritten note, and why does it stand, stand out? It just seems more personal, doesn't it? And and, then, you know, there's some people who are famous for their handwritten notes. Ronald Reagan was pretty famous for his handwritten note. Even the last letter that Ronald Reagan wrote, as far as I know, was a letter that was published in newspapers across the United States in 1994. And if if you remember that, uh, it was in the form of a handwritten letter. There's just something different about receiving that. And, and certainly what we read in the first few verses here of Third John reflects the idea of that handwritten note. That there's a, there's a real relationship that matters to John, the elder, the guy who's writing this letter. There's a real relationship that matters. He counts Gaius as one of his friends. He counts Gaius as somebody whom he cares about and he wants to, he wants to be there for and support. And so there's a, there's a real relationship there. He goes on in verse 2 to say, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. I pray that you may enjoy good health. I mean, it just contributes to that idea that there's a relationship that he's concerned. It also contributes to the notion that John was probably a little later along in life, right, when when he writes these letters. That's what we Bible scholars believe is that the Apostle John was was aging as he writes these letters. And, and uh, I... Just this last Christmas, we're, we're at Sherry's uh, mom's, mom and dad's house, and we're having cr- our Christmas celebration, so we're unwrapping gifts, you know. And there was just at the end of this celebration, there was this stack of, of boxes that had been used to wrap gifts from grandma and grandpa. And they were just stacks and stacks of these stationary boxes. And somebody mentioned, man, you have so many card boxes. Why do you have so many greeting card boxes that you use to wrap this and she said well when you get to a certain age bracket you have to write lots of get well soon cards you know there's lots more of those to write and so you know John cares about his his friend right and and he cares even about his his physical health but what's more John is concerned about his friend's spiritual health right I hope you're doing well and your health is going well but uh, all the more that even your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy in verse 3, when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling me how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That truth is an interesting word. And, and to be honest, one of, the, one of the things that sometimes has gotten churches in trouble is how we handle that word truth what do we what do we believe to be the truth well I think that's a long discussion right and probably a lengthier discussion than we want to have completely this morning but when you consider the author of this letter when you consider that the apostle John is writing this and he talks about the truth uh, he he has used that word before in fact, if you turn back to the Gospel of John and you read through the Gospel of John, you'll read 23 times the word truth in the Gospel of John. It, it comes up right away in, in that Gospel. In, in, in John chapter 1, verse 17, he says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. If you turn over a little further in that Gospel to chapter 5, then you can read in chapter 5, verse 33. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Now consider and think about what John the Baptist was to testify to. What was he there to, to lead into? And then finally you get to the 14th chapter, and one of the other 23 times that John uses the word truth in his gospels, in the 14th chapter with verse 6 verse 6 says Jesus answered I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me I'm the way the truth and the life so Jesus makes this claim to be the truth now I think John means more than this in his letters and in the gospel when he uses this word he's certainly not always referring only to Jesus but there is absolutely this connection through the between that idea of truth and who Jesus is and our relationship with him. And I think as we read through this letter that John is writing to his friend Gaius that when he talks about the truth, he's pointing to walking in, not just doing the right things all the time, although that is part of it, not just making the right choices or the wise choice all the time, although that's part of it, but walking in relationship and knowing Jesus, even more than making the absolute right or what we might think of as right choice. Dear friend, uh, you are faithful, and he's going to go on now and and talk about, well, what does that look like? And certainly uh, a large part of of what it looks like to walk in Jesus is to treat others with the love of of Christ and that's really what we're we're discussing when this idea of hospitality arises in this letter it's just sharing the love of jesus with others dear friend in verse five you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters even though they are strangers to you they have told the church about your love please send them on their way in a manner that honors god it was for the sake of the name that they went out receiving no help from the pagans we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth so these strangers that Gaius is showing hospitality to. We, we figure out from this letter and from uh, other, other uh, letters that John writes that these, these are missionaries. These are folks who are serving the church. These are evangelists who are traveling around and they, they need some help and, and some f- support along the way. And so Gaius is a member of this church. That that uh, John is writing to, and he he thanks guys for being a support, for being showing hospitality to these traveling traveling evangelists, to these missionaries. Now, when we think of hospitality, you know, it it just it maybe carries more weight. And when John was writing this letter, than it does today, it's a little more than than inviting somebody over for a meal or offering a a glass of iced tea when somebody comes to visit. And uh, it was a bigger responsibility. Uh, if you just consider that in the first century, there wasn't, you know, a holiday inn on every corner when somebody made a trip. There wasn't there wasn't someplace to stop to uh, be able to purchase a meal in every town, and every spot. And so, if you were traveling, if that's sort of what you did, and these missionaries, you, you know, if you consider Paul who traveled from town to town to town, these missionaries that traveled all the time, they, they relied on other believers to, to support them and to show them uh, some hospitality, to provide a, a safe place to stay, and, and meals perhaps, and, and other means of support. And so one of the ways that Gaius was showing hospitality was by supporting these missionaries. And, uh, you know, we we extend, and we've, we've been talking about in our, during our offering time uh, this month, the, the ways that we extend hospitalities to, to hospitality to missionaries who are serving, you know, uh, here in, in Leavenworth and Wyandotte counties and all around the world, right? When you look at the, the list of of missionaries that are supported by Wallula Christian Church, we we sort of have adopted the strategy where we try to keep that list a little bit smaller so that we can extend hospitality well. You know, when you when you have a huge long list of missionaries that you support where you start to sort of divvy that support up a little bit and and it gets lost a little bit, it, it doesn't, it's maybe not as effective, and so it's just our strategy to do that. We support a couple of missionaries in Thailand, we support a missionary missionary, and work in Honduras, we support a uh, missionary family in Mexico, and uh, we support the Brothers in Blue Reentry program in the prisons here in Lansing and Leavenworth, and we, we have some other ministries that we support as well, but those are sort of the, the big pieces of that uh, missions puzzle here at Wallula Christian Church. And so we pour support into them to, to offer hospitality so that uh, we, can, we can sort of live out verse 6. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. Oh, our missions team leader told me uh, several years ago, you know, Lance, one of the things when we were talking about the strategy of sort of keeping that list of, of missionaries that we support uh, a little smaller than maybe some other churches use as a strategy not that one's right or wrong or whatever this is just what we think is right for us and the best uh, path and how we can be a best steward of what God has given us to manage but uh, you know we were talking about this and he said you know Lance sometimes I feel like we make uh, missionaries sort of beg for their survival you know, and, and uh, I, I'm not sure if when we have the sense of that, if we're sending people out in a way that honors God. And so I'm proud of Wallula Christian Church and the way that, that uh, we uh, are, are able to, uh, to offer hospitality. And that's one of the ways as a church, as a family, as a team that we offer hospitality to, uh, to God's team is by supporting missionaries who are serving and, and uh, cross-culturally. Uh, another way that we offer hospitality is, is uh, well, it, we're sitting in a room that offers hospitality. You know, for, for a little more than a year, we've been enjoying the space where we've, uh, you know, been in this Embrace campaign, and, and all of that has a purpose to be able to, to reach out and to share the story of Jesus well in a setting that makes sense to people in our community and our, our, our culture. So we're offering hospitality in that way. You know, some of you dropped your kids off in the kids' ministry, in the, the nursery, or the preschool, or in the children's ministry, or, or you take advantage of the student ministry here at Wallula Christian Church, and those are all ministries involved here at Wallula Christian Church that offers hospitality. We're creating environments that make sense, that are age-appropriate, that make sense for the kindergartner who, even more than you, are going to be bored by me, right? And so there's an age appropriate, there's an environment that makes sense to them where they can hear the story of Jesus and be impacted by that same story in a different way. You know, that same thing's true of our student ministry, you know, where where students can hear the story of Jesus, where they can be impacted and their lives changed by that relationship with a Savior and by that relationship with adults who love him and who love them and by students who love him. And love each other. All, all ways that we uh, show hospitality. Some of the other service kinds of our helping ministry is an extension of this idea of hospitality. I mean, when you consider the, the shelter of hope that we support, and they're getting ready to move into a brand new facility and, and uh, just another week, right? A brand new facility. And that's awesome, but that's an extension of our hospitality, providing a safe place to sleep. You know, we're, we're sort of in a very literal way doing exactly what Gaius was doing in, in his local church for some of those folks who needed a safe place to sleep. You know, the Third Thursday uh, ministry that provides meals on the third Thursday of every month is an extension of hospitality and sharing the love of Jesus. Verse 8 tells us why this all matters. You know, we can see, well, it matters to provide somebody with a safe place to sleep. It matters to provide a meal to somebody who doesn't have a meal. That matters for sure. But there's a bigger impact that all of that is pointing towards. That love is shared not just to provide that safe place to sleep, not just to provide a meal that's necessary, not just to provide an atmosphere where we can gather and hang out together. It's provided so that we can share together in this work for the truth. Just like verse 8 says, we ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. So that we may work together for Jesus. So that we may work together to share his name, to make him more famous, to share his love. The first step to, to loving the church no matter what is to pay attention that, and, and to participate and to practice hospitality for the sake of Jesus the second step is to not be afraid don't be afraid to hold each other accountable we're sort of shifting uh, gears here a little bit, because in this this personal note that John writes to his friend Gaius, he, we're introduced to Gaius, who's John's friend, and then we're introduced to another guy who's sort of the, the complete opposite of John's friend. Verses 9 and 10 say, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing Spreading malicious nonsense about us, not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. This guy loved to be first. I I, I was just uh, caught up in that phrase, you know, this week because uh, you you know we love to be first. You know, I thought about uh, my family. My family were maybe a little bit competitive. And so when we play games, we love to be first. You know, we like to win. Uh, just this New Year's Eve, we were, we were hanging out with some friends, and we, we played this card game uh, that maybe some of you, have you ever played this card game called Nerts? Any of you ever played Nerds? No? Well, don't. It, it's a terrible game. I mean, some people, yeah, some people really love it, and I'm just not one of them. Right? Because you're basically playing solitaire. You have a, a hand of solitaire that you're playing on your own, and then you're playing on this community solitaire game. And you're going through your cards, and it's all about being first. God made me a lot of things, but fast isn't one of them. Right? And so as I'm playing this game, you know, you're going through and you've got your eye Because, you know, the three of spades, when somebody puts down the three of spades, I'm going to play this four of spades. And so you're trying to pay attention to this three of spades, this three of spades. And you finally, the three of spades goes down, and so you reach for your four of spades, and you go to put it on the three of spades, and somebody out slaps the four of spades viciously and on purpose ahead of you. It's a terrible game. It's all about being first, and sometimes being first brings out the worst in us, doesn't it? I mean sometimes wanting that desire to be first brings out the worst in us and it's not so much that this guy just wanted to win the card games that he played at the church dinner you know that wasn't so much the deal but he was selfish and he wanted to be in charge and he wanted things to be about him he's the exact opposite of Gaius and so what does John say he will do about this Because this is where it really gets interesting. It's not so interesting that there was some jerk who was putting himself first, right? We've all met that person. We've all had experience with that. But it's how John decides to handle this in verse 10. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing. Wait. Right? When he comes, he'll call attention to what Diotrephes is doing. Now, hold on, because what is he going to say? You know, what's he going to do? I'll call attention to what he's doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us, not satisfied with, the, with that. He even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So he's going to call attention to this. What, what John is saying is when I show up, I'm going to point out the diatrophies, and if, I, if need be, everyone else, how this guy isn't loving like Jesus, how this guy is being selfish, how this guy is sinning. This is hard for us to sort of get a handle on. And to be honest, when I, when I talked earlier about churches sometimes mishandling the truth, well, this is one of the ways that sometimes churches do that. We struggle with this notion. We struggle with this notion in, in a couple different ways. I've had experience in churches where you know you kind of you kind of put on your Sunday best, and I don't mean the clothes that they you wore, but you put on your Sunday best. You put on the smile, no matter what, and you showed up and you talked about how everything was going okay in here, and how everything wasn't going okay out there, and how there was just this bad evil world that surrounds us full of sin and we're so glad that in here we don't deal with any of that and that's that, that's not what john means you know that's that's not what he wants to do because if we're honest you know we can't always put on our sunday best because the same sin That absolutely exists out there exists in here you know every one of us is in desperate need of a savior now sometimes churches mishandle the truth in that way and they say everything's going okay in here but sometimes churches mishandle the truth sort of to the other extreme and they They admit, hey, not everything's going okay out there. That same stuff, we're dealing with sin in here. And so it's okay. We'll just just continue to deal with that same stuff. And we won't call sin, sin. We We won't point out that, hey, to handle the truth correctly, to live after Jesus means to become more and more like him. that's another way that churches sometimes mishandle the truth and it's hard to figure out how to do that correctly but john says i'm gonna point this out when i show up i'm gonna call sin sin and we're gonna stop that in the church now there's a right way to do that right there's a right way to handle that truth if you want you can turn to uh, the gospel of matthew It's at the very beginning of the New Testament. And you can turn to the 18th chapter of Matthew. Because I absolutely believe this is what John had in mind as he's talking in in verses 9 and 10 about calling out diatrophies. I, I believe that this is... This was his plan, absolutely, and, and maybe he was already in process with this. Matthew chapter 18 verse 15 says, "If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If you listen, if they listen to you, you have won them over. but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of, of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them." as you would a pagan or a tax collector all right so there's there's just three steps here right and uh it'd be nice to say the three easy steps but they're not right they're really hard all every one of these is hard it's it's a hard thing that god has called us to to help each other and to disciple each other to be more like him but but uh the church has a responsibility as as brothers and sisters, as family, as teammates, to help each other grow. And the first step there is when you, when you see sin, to go individually to that person, right? Personally. We talked about that personal letter and how that makes an impact. And why is it impactful? It's because there's a relationship there, right? And so to engage in that relationship one-on-one, right and so that doesn't mean when you see something on social media to say on so hey stop this jesus doesn't love this right that's not what matthew is talking about that's not what john has in mind here if they won't listen and and usually it's been my experience most often step number one it handles the issue You go to to somebody that you have a relationship with and you say, hey, I think you blew it last night. Most often it's been my experience that they say, you know, I was thinking the same thing. I've already been trying to figure out what do I do? How do How do I make a change? What do I, who do I, you know, how do I apologize? What do I do? What's the next step? And so most often that first step handles the situation you're able to help navigate and help instruct folks and 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 just support them as they make uh, some changes or or rectify that situation or just seek forgiveness if they won't listen verse 16 take one or two others along so sort of that small group mentality right involve other people that have a relationship with them kind of extend the circle of influence And if they still won't listen, then involve, you know, the the church as a whole, involve church leadership, seek. And I think the idea there is to seek some folks maybe with some wisdom and experience that perhaps, you know, we don't have in that circumstance. So broaden the sphere of influence a little bit more. So John uh, had in mind to uh, continue to handle the truth well and to, to even though it was, wouldn't be easy, to, to help hold accountable this guy who was not showing any hospitality. In fact, he was, he was putting people out, excluding people from that church family because they were extending hospitality. If they refused to follow him, if they refused to pay attention to what he wanted, then he was excluding people from that, that church family. And, uh, so we can see that that's not the heart of Christ. Third step is to be an example and follow others. Example to be an example and to follow the example of other uh, godly believers. Dear friend, in verse 11, do not imitate what is evil but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Right? This makes sense to us. Right? Uh, Paul said, hey, imitate me. As I, as I follow Jesus, you follow me. Pay attention to what I'm doing. You know, we read that in other places in the New Testament, and this makes sense to us. We have we have folks that we want to follow after. That we we want to you know we want to have a family that that reflects their family, that looks like their family, that that acts like their family. We want to live a life and you know, that, that follows after that example. We we raise kids with this same formula in mind, don't we? I mean, we spend so much time trying to figure out what's worth our kids imitating. I'll never forget going to a movie with my mom i was probably 12 years old uh, 11 or 12 years old and, and i'm so old that uh, movies used to go from pg rating to an r rating do you remember when this was true and and so some of you are like no i didn't, you know and some of you are like oh movies talk now and anyway so we went to this movie and my mom took me to this movie and i remember it uh, i remember the name of the movie it was called tank and it had this actor James Garner in it, who was one of my mom's favorite actors, and so we go to this movie, it's a comedy, and I remember sitting in this movie, and this movie had words that, I, look, I can't say I'd never heard them, but I didn't want my mom to know that I'd heard them. You know, and I was so embarrassed, and my mom was like, what is like, what is going on? And it just, all the way through this movie, and I'll never forget it because everybody felt bad about it, right? Everybody felt bad sitting in that movie. We probably should have just left. You know, we, and my point is that we try to sort of figure out what's worth imitating, and we work so hard to to maybe keep our kids from seeing and hearing stuff that we don't want them to see and hear that we don't want them to imitate. Every parent has a story like that. You know, I remember showing my kids when they were younger E.T., That movie, E.T., and I just had such great memories of E.T. Yes, that's what I remember. I remember, look, I mean, take a look at me. I remember Reese's Pieces in that movie, right? I remember Reese's Pieces, and I remember the little glowing finger, right? E.T., phone home. And so I say, kids, we ought to watch this movie. There's a great movie. And then the movie goes, and Elliot starts using words that I didn't know. I didn't remember that Elliot knew these words. I said, what's going on? We all have, we want to protect our kids and we want them to imitate the right things. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. No matter how hard we try, and I'm not saying we shouldn't try, right? But no matter how hard we try to protect, to sort of shelter our kids, to make sure they only see the things that we want them to imitate, that they should emulate in their life, we can't do it. Right? I'd already heard those words before I saw the movie Tank. You know, we can't protect them enough. But do you know what we can do? We can follow the advice here of John. And we can build relationships. Verse 12 talks about Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone, even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. You know, I just think there's this, this advice, this, this uh, description of the difference that relationships make. And we can't guarantee that that our kids will always imitate the right things, that they'll only see the things that we want them to imitate. We can't guarantee that even about ourselves. But what we can do is concentrate about building relationships that are worth people imitating and following. You know, our our student ministry and our jam ministry on Sunday nights gets... gets going again uh, this evening, uh, or that's the plan anyway. I suppose you better check with your friendly neighborhood youth coach. Is that still the plan, Zach? As far as you know, right now that's the plan, right? That stuff will get going and, and that's worth having your students involved in. That's worth having your kids involved in. Uh, not because it, they're only gonna see the right things or only hear the right things you know, in their life, but because they'll be building relationships with adults and with students and kids that can k- help each other continue to, to make a difference in their life, and they can help each other to, uh, to live more and more like Christ. And so the, those ministries exist for, uh, that's one of the, the essential reasons that we pour so much time and energy into our student ministry and our children's ministry here at Wallula Christian Church. By the way, you know that small group a flyer that you have in your bulletin this morning, that's really one of the reasons, that's the, one of the, the main responsibilities of our small group ministry. We want, we want all of us, you know, suddenly when we turn 21, we don't stop needing relationships that help to provide us with direction in our life. We still need that as adults and those small groups ministry, they serve that same purpose to, to be able to, to help us have those relationships that point us in the right direction. You know, there's some good and there's some bad and, and, and everything we put into our bodies, all the stuff that we eat, and we could run down the list of all the stuff that's good and bad, but maybe you've seen a picture like this before. You know, it's sort of, uh, this makes sense, right? You, you need to have some of all of that stuff on your plate, right? And so you need to, you need to figure out how, you, how, you, how, you, how much of that, uh, you know, the, the protein and the vegetables and the fruits, and we need all of that healthy stuff in our lives, Well, the church provides that for us. It provides us with avenues to seek all that healthy stuff that we can pour into our lives, into our relationships, and help us to continue to grow more and more like Jesus. Let's stand up and worship him together.